This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. After that very rousing player-driven speech, uh, now we get to ask the very tough question. Um, and I hate to do this because I don't do this kind of stuff lightly, but like this is, Nikki Javala wrote this as her lead in the Washington Post. Like this is the kind of game that gets people fired. Um, and we're certainly not going to get up here and advocate Nikki, for that. Nikki just swinging yeah. for the fences out the but, gate. Like, I, mean, it I is. love Nikki. I love like uh, Nikki, I, w- I will say this about Nikki. She's super well-informed. She's super smart. And she has a good feel for that type of stuff. Like as a former yes. player, I don't really feel that. I'm just like, it's a game on to the next game. She's got a great feel for that. So if she's saying that I'm hundred percent, like, I think right. there's a lot of truth there. I mean, you lose, I mean, you also got to think of how owners think, right. Um, yeah. And not that I an mean, ownership level type of firing would be Ron Rivera and not that Ron would go fire as defensive coordinator, for instance, without running it by the owner, probably first. Um, that's a pretty big deal. Um, but whatever, whatever the changes that, that could potentially get made. Like when you're under an extra microscope of national TV, yeah, that's the kind of stuff that happens. Um, and I think, I think that statistic you said earlier too, about they've lost, what was it? 14, the Bears they had lost 14 straight games and there's all kinds of other stats. I mean, actually I, I bookmarked a few things that were just like mind blowing to me. Um, the last time Washington, uh, this also from Nikki last time Washington let an opposing receiver amass at least 230 yards in a game was Bullet Bob Hayes, 1966. Uh, that game was actually a 31-30 win by the Cowboys. So that one was close. Wow. Uh, uh, obviously, you have Magic uh, after the game tweeting, tonight the commanders play with no intensity or fire. We didn't compete in the first half and got down 27-3 heading into halftime. It was too big of a hole to climb out of, and that is why we ended up losing 42-20. Um and then, I mean, there was a tweet too. I don't know if you're, you're not on Twitter, but I don't know if someone put this in front of you. Um, but Kime actually said, like, this is probably one of, if not the worst uh, game that I've been to. I'm trying to find the, the tweet from Kime said that Jeez. real quick. Yeah. And, and Kime is, is not a negative. He's not that kind of guy. You know what I mean? He's going right. to tell you how he feels about it. That's, that's intense. Yeah. 
And he's been covering the team. I mean, we always kind of joke with him, but like the year after they won the last Super Bowl, uh, Kime got oh there. My gosh. Maybe it's the Kime curse. No, I don't want to say yeah, that. I don't. No, I don't need do that, that for for, uh, guy, John. for John. Uh, but he said, you know, it's one of the worst games that he has ever covered, uh, and that's through all of the everything. And so, you know, when Nikki writes in the Washington Post, like this yeah. is the kind of game that gets people fired. Like those are the reasons why. Then you get to the, like, and fans want to fire everyone all the time. That's the nature of being a fan. Fan is short for fanatic. Don't ever yeah. forget it. But there is the the logistics of like, okay, let's say, let's say they do fire someone. Then what? And I think yeah. that's where this becomes a much harder decision and much more complicated than people realize. Like, could you move on from Jack Del Rio? Sure. Could you move on? And in some ways, and again, I'm not advocating for this, but like the logistics of moving on from Rivera. One, I, I almost feel comfortable, like, parsing out this hypothetical because I think there's 0% chance that it happens. Yeah. Josh Harris has come in and said, we're going to be patient. Like we're going to take our time. This is very much an evaluation year yeah. and the evaluation is not going to be complete after five games. There's things that, that Josh probably wants to learn. And he's also going to try to set him up for success. He might decide fairly quickly that Rivera is not the guy long-term, but you're not going to do anything until it's after the season, probably right. and you have your full pool of candidates. But like, if you were to move on from Rivera, Bienemy gets elevated, and you go from there. He's the assistant head coach already. For Del Rio, like, there's not a next guy that's kind of in place, and that's why losing Chris Harris on top of what he brought as a defensive backs coach, like that was that's super painful. Um, and, and also, um, it's not the same defense that Ron installed in Carolina. So like, Ron in 2018, somewhat infamously, because it was being all being chronicled by, ironically, Amazon, um, because they had uh -huh. the uh, the what? Oh, what do they call it? All or nothing. Uh, it's kind of like oh, their really? in-season hard knocks really? version. Uh, so they like they're chronicling that season, and Eric Washington's defensive coordinator, and Ron takes the play calling over, and he starts getting way more involved in the defensive meetings, and they play a little bit better for a stretch, and ultimately that still wasn't a very good season, right. uh, and Ron winds up getting fired the next year. But for him, it was like, okay, I'm going to take control because this is my defense. I know it. When Ron got hired here, he hired Jack and he let Del Rio install the defense. So it's, well, it's not like Ron doesn't know anything. You know this as well as anyone because you watch tape with Ron for the show every week. Yeah. Um, I don't know that he can truly just step in and call the defense if he wants to do that, whether he would you know, move on from Del Rio or just like take that responsibility off his plate. So there's like... This is, and th this, by the way, is not a bunch of excuses. Um, it's just a reality that, like, the way this organization is set up right now is not to, it doesn't make it easy to make changes, yeah. but these are the kinds of results that ultimately typically lead to changes. So, I, I that's a lot of information. That's a lot of thoughts, Logan. Um, but that's kind of where we are. That's at least where I am with all of it. Yeah. I mean, has anybody, this is a good, this is a question I want to ask you and maybe we can look it up real quick. Has anybody on this defensive side of the football called plays before? Um, I don't believe so outside yeah. of Del Rio and Rivera. So I'll I mean, double check real quick. Yeah. So I think like when I look at that, people, people don't understand. I, I think uh, fans don't understand the impact of firing your coordinator mid season. They don't understand like what that means and I'm trying to think if I've ever been on a team where that has happened, and I don't think I have. But the the way that would just shake the room on both sides of the ball would be crazy because you then you would get somebody who doesn't know the defense as well as Jack trying to call a Jack or trying to call the defense or trying to call some version of it. And it just... Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your day. 
your weekly source for all things Commanders, right on time, your time. A list of household chores. Do them without missing a beat and listen while you work. In the car, turn mundane drives into memorable moments. With podcasts, you can maximize productivity and minimize FOMO. We're on demand, so we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying like it becomes very, very challenging to kind of say, hey, this is now the guy that's going to be calling plays. Like last year, we kind of ran into this with Scott Turner. There was no guy that you felt could be elevated in season to call plays for Scott. And part of the reason is because they didn't, they, they haven't really built it that way. Like I look at, um, you know, like when I was with Kyle in San Francisco, one of the things I loved about the staff there is they had all of these guys who were super hungry and super ready for kind of the next step. You know what I mean? And if something were to happen to Kyle, like you felt like, oh, Mike McDaniel will call plays. Or um, uh, not Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur's brother would call plays. And he became Mike, the OC. Yeah, yeah he would. He became, became the OC in New York for a year. Like they had all these young, really smart guys who were kind of like, oh, yeah. Even even the defensive side of the ball with Robert Sala. You had, you know, um, D'Amico Ryan's in the building. You had all these guys who were very, very smart coaches who were kind of on this trajectory. And this this staff is not really built that same way. And that's not a criticism because there's a lot of staffs like that I played with in the NFL over the course of my 10 years that were built that way. Like they just didn't have that next guy that was going to be up and, and ready to rock and roll. So um, I, I just, I, I don't know what they would do quite honestly. And yeah. I don't think Ron is in a position um, where he could call it. He could call this defense. I mean, the last time he called plays, we said was 2018. Like yeah, 2018. So what is that? That's six, seven, seven years, six years ago, whatever it is. So, yeah. Like that's just a long, a long time to not be doing it and not have practice at it because there is a rhythm, there's a feel, there's all these different things, and um, and it's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to make that move midseason if that if that's something that that people are talking about. It just it's really hard to do that, and I I think the hard part here for fans to distinguish and it's hard for us to distill this as well is what's the responsibility and culpability of the players and these techniques that they're referring to? And what's the culpability and responsibility of the coaches? I find that if a coach is coming out in the media, because usually they're pretty good about not doing this and being like, this guy is not doing what we want him to do. That is a huge, like bang, like flash in your face saying like, that is the issue. Cause think about how many times you've had coaches like at, at a million press conferences, just be like, oh, yeah, like, you know, we got to call a better game. We got to play yeah. better as a team. No one gets singled out individually. But for them to be like they're not doing what we want them to do is a is a pretty good indicator, in my opinion, that that needs to get corrected. And it goes back to the point we made earlier. It's like, well, are you teaching it effectively? Are they not learning it? And if that becomes its own kind of, uh, you know, rat's nest of things to entangle as well. So, yeah, um, the guy that I could most uh, suss out is potential like has called plays somewhere and has been around the NFL a long time is Richard Rogers, um, senior defensive assistant. Yeah. So he's not exactly super high on staff. Uh, last time it looks like he called plays, uh, was in the early two thousands. He was the DC at Holy cross. Mm. Um, but he was with Ron forever and has held a bunch of different positions, but he's never been a DC in the NFL, but I'm assuming he's called plays at the college level. Um, but yeah, that's, it's not, it's not great. The one thing that I would say, um, is like going even more macro with it. And this goes to the magic tweet, something that I never thought I'd say on this podcast, <laughs> but going to the magic Johnson tweet of like, do you feel like Jack is disconnected from the players? And that's something that Ron's going to have to look in the mirror and answer. And like, if that's the case, then it doesn't matter how, you know, like you just have to make a change, right? Because if, if what the DC is saying 
is really good, but it doesn't connect with the players, then it doesn't matter. And mm. so like from a fire, a passion, a dedication, a readiness, like all the, the mental stuff beyond the techniques, like if that stuff isn't there, then you got to figure it out. And like, if there's no easy solution, like that's an indictment of Rivera on some level. And that's, yeah. that's like a larger conversation. We, can we talked about time. that. We talked about that last year too. Like, right. With, we, with Scott. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, but yeah, but what I would say too, is like in this, and I, and I know this is going to sound like dismissive, but it's, it's week five, you know? And yeah. I, and like, it's the and first two quarter. And three. It's, it's the first, not the end of the world. It's the first quarter of the year. And I, I've been a part of teams. I've seen teams like you've seen teams that have been me like mediocre and there's a lot of issues that need to be corrected. And then all of a sudden they come out in that second quarter and they go three and one. It's like, okay, well that's much better than we thought we'd be, you know, and now you're in, in a position to kind of make a push for those last two quarters and you're ready to rock and roll. And when you look at the schedule for the next couple quarters, it, I think, what do they got? They got uh, Atlanta, Atlanta next. Atlanta next, which and could, man, man, could you imagine if this team feels like it's on the edge and then Taylor Heineke's the, the starting quarterback on the other side, what, yeah. kind, of, what kind of narratives that's going to be? Ooh, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, and so I, I do think there's two winnable football games coming up, and you could write this ship, you know, in two weeks, and we can be talking about a totally different thing. I think this, I think this kind of mini bye week comes at a really good time, honestly, because I think it allows yes. the, the staff. Because I, I think that's something fans understand is like in the season, it's really hard to kind of say, let's do a self scout because your 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 week is so tight, you know, it's so regimented, and we got to get this in, we got to get third down ready, we got to get red zone ready, whatever we're doing. And now I can kind of take a step back if I'm Jack, if I'm EB, and be like, man, you know, we are throwing the ball a, a ton on second and 10. What, how can I make that so that's less of a thing? You know what I'm saying? And just uh, uh, this is a good time for that. Right before the second quarter, let's get a little reevaluation, a little self-scout in, and hopefully we can get some of this stuff corrected. Because, again, to your point, like maybe the techniques you're trying to coach with these young guys, maybe just don't call that that coverage structure anymore. Maybe it's like, hey, man, we're a much better um, cover six team. So let's call more cover six because they're better at that. And right. it's it's hard in the moment to see that. I mean, I, I had to do that at the high school. Like that was a big lift for me because I was like, I really want to do this. And then I realized like, You're like we stink at this. We're not good we at this. We should do that. So we should do that. And right. it, it, it didn't happen. It, it didn't happen over the course of one game. It took three games for me to kind of be like, okay, that needs to change. That needs to be different. We need to coach this different. We need to kind of allocate our practice time different. And so um, – I, I, again, I think this is a good time to kind of get the ship in order, make the corrections you need to make, and then make a push here in the in the second quarter of the season. So, as yeah. much as it feels like the, the whole thing's on fire, I think like I didn't have them as two and three. I think I think I was talking to Kaim, and he was like, "If they're two and three, I feel pretty good about it coming out of the first quarter." This was like way back, you know, when the schedule first came out, and I don't. I think that still holds true. I think some of these losses are messy and ugly or whatever, but I. I you're in a good spot. We just got to kind of capitalize on this kind of medium position and make sure it's a better position coming out of the second quarter. No doubt. And I do think they are exhausted. You know, when we were texting early in the game last night, you were like, man, that Philly game is wearing on them, which you obviously said earlier in this yeah. podcast as well. Like it, it, listening to Terry talk after the game. I, I mean, I said it when I, I heard Rivera and Sam earlier this week, like they sounded exhausted at the podium. So yeah. I think if you want to be an optimist, we'll, we'll end on a high note. Yeah. Um, didn't think I'd do that this morning, but we're going to try it. <laughs> we're going to end on I mean, a high we, note. I think we've done a lot of, a lot of shit lifting here. You know what I mean? So like, this can be a, this can be like a little bit of a little, little star in the sky. Little, little star. You're, you're if you want to have a, a peak of optimism, a light at the end of the tunnel, 
you do get to rest. You do get to reset. And maybe this is more of a Thursday night fluky performance against a funky team to prepare for coming off of a brutal overtime loss against a super physical football team. And a reset, it will be good. Yeah. Or that lights a train in this season. <laughs> uh, that's Logan Paulson. I'm Craig Hoffman. Thanks for listening to Take Command. Uh, if you have not already, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, whether that is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the free Odyssey app, or if you're a, a podcast watcher on YouTube at 1067 The Fan. Also post highlights on my page at Craig Hoffman. Uh, we will see you guys for the film review next week. We record that Tuesday mornings, typically comes out Wednesday morning in your audio feeds, Tuesday afternoon on YouTube. So we will see you then and there. Uh, be on the radio later today, of course, for the Hoffman Show and again on Monday, uh, every day, 4 to 7 on the Team 980. I uh, hope you guys have a great weekend and uh, enjoy the Red Zone since you don't have to watch the Commanders on Sunday.